Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing. I am Henry Chisholm, and I'm going to tell you about the Buffs today. Um, so it's been a couple days since we've talked for a bunch of different reasons. Um, I wasn't on the draft pod. If you guys are listening to that, I got the text from Dre like, hey, Ryan wants to do it, and he's already here. And I was like, well, go for it. Take my baby from me. Um, I got a chance to listen to it today, and to be honest, I think that no, I'm not going to say I'm better than Ryan. That's just not true. Um, they did a great job. Definitely check that out if you haven't yet. Um, hope you guys had good Thanksgivings. Uh, here's kind of what I'm thinking for today. It's Friday night. I just got to Salt Lake City. Uh, going to go hang out with some Buffs people. Um, people who work for the Buffs. Uh, Adam Munster Tiger, um, who's a cool guy and my friend. Um, okay. Here's the here's the general thing, my thought right now, and that is that uh, it's kind of crazy that this might be the last podcast of the Buffs 2019 season. You know, it's kind of dire. Hopefully they win. Hopefully the season goes on another three weeks, um, even more. It could go all the way through December. You know, I was reading some speculation. I think maybe it was Brian Howell, actually, who was talking about the potential... Uh, bowl outcomes based on this weekend and they thought that there's a chance that Colorado could get to the uh, oh boy what is that called the Sun Bowl maybe Uh, I don't know because uh, whatever it is has like the fourth or fifth pick of Pac-12 teams you have to pick an order of record but because of the ties that would likely be among um, the Pac-12 teams Sun Bowl is going to get a choice and that bowl happens to be about 20 minutes away from where Steven Montez went to, um, well, didn't, I mean, I guess he probably went to school there. That's where he grew up in El Paso. And, uh, yeah. So that's, uh, something that's on the radar. So hopefully, hopefully this isn't the last podcast. Hopefully the season keeps going. That bowl is December 31st. So we get a whole nother month of Colorado football, but, uh, this, that, that might not be the case. Uh, Utah is a really good football team. And we're going to talk about that more in detail later on. But uh, it's crazy that we are here now, um, approaching what could be the end. It's been such a blast going through this whole season. A bit of a roller coaster ride from the Rocky Mountain Showdown to Nebraska to Air Force. You know, this whole season is just been wild, and it's been so much fun. I've been having a blast having you guys with me. Um, but yeah. And so uh, I, I kind of want to... Let, let's just start by talking about this game tomorrow. So Utah's the favorite. It's not close. I think it's 28.5 points right now. That's a lot. That's uh, four touchdowns plus another half a point. That's like a 14th of another. Um, or like a sixth of a field goal. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But uh, there's there's good reason for Colorado getting this kind of... Um, hate from Vegas I guess and it's because to be honest Colorado just is not as good as of a football team as Utah is at the moment Utah I mean ranked sixth in the country they're in the running for the college football playoff if they beat Colorado and then they beat Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game they're probably going to get that four spot. You never know. Like Georgia could pull out an upset win, and maybe they get that four spot. Four spot. Um, 
I don't think Oklahoma's jumping them. You know, it, it kind of looks like the way things are shaking out, Utah just has to win two more football games, and they're in. They'll have a chance to compete for the national title, which very few teams get the chance to do. You have to be super impressive. You have to pass so many tests. You have to win games. You have to win games convincingly. Not only do you have to like look at the scoreboard, but you also just have to look at what's happening on the field. And the eye test is so heavily involved in which teams make it in that it, it, it I don't know, it, it takes some of the, the objectivity out of the sport um, because you don't just say, here are the top 64 teams based on this metric, let's run with it, see what happens. You can't feel too bad for the 65th team, maybe somebody who should have been in but didn't get in because uh, that team isn't good enough to complain, you know? For this top four, that fifth team definitely has a right to complain. Um, it's uh, it's weird that there's so much subjectivity in a sport. You know, it's almost like boxing or something. But all of that subjectivity should work against Utah. You know, Alabama should get, or maybe they shouldn't get hype, but they do get hype. Um, they'll, they'll get bonus points just for being Alabama, just because the voters know, hey, if we put them in a in a college football playoff, the moment's not going to be too big for them. They might not win. They might not be good enough to actually win the game, but they aren't going to go out there and embarrass themselves and also embarrass the committee that decided that they should be there. And as much as you'd like to think that these voters are only paying attention to who the best football team is, who deserves a chance to win the national title. There's some politics involved too. Clemson's a safe bet. Alabama's a safe bet. You know, Ohio State's so good that you know they're going to do well, but they also are that good, so they're winning games and they deserve to be number one. Uh, in my opinion, LSU's right up there. I, th- I don't know. Utah, though, the fact that Utah is hanging in there with all of these heavyweights established teams, established programs with established coaches that have kind of been around here a while. That just speaks volumes as to how good of a football team this Utah team actually is. Because, honestly, everything else in the voters' minds should be working against them. First of all, they're in Utah. That's not pulling a whole bunch of attention to these these football games that are going to be played. They don't have the massive fan base. They aren't known for traveling. You know, any any of these sorts of things that an Ohio State, a Michigan, a USC, um, an, an Oregon probably at this point, um, all these programs have working for them. Utah is going to go to the college football playoff because they're good at football, and that's it. Um, they're good at offense. They're good at defense. Um their defense is right up there with anybody else's, and they found a way to make the offense complemented. Um, you know, Andre was saying that Ohio State might have the best offense and best defense in college football, and that's great. And obviously, that's going to make them a f- the favorite in most football games. But having an offense and a defense that know how to work together, in my opinion, is worth more than just the talent, um, just the pure talent that you throw out there. That's what we're seeing Mel Tucker try to do, and he's got to be trying to model it after what Utah's going to do. Uh, he's going to have his notebook down there. On the, okay, that's that's an exaggeration, but he's going to be paying attention to what Utah does to be so successful. Um, and, and, you know, none of it's going to be a surprise. It's the details. It's not making mistakes. It's finishing plays. It's about doing your job to the best of your ability, covering your responsibilities, and then you win the football game. It's that simple. But how Utah does that so consistently is a surprise. You know, if everybody does their job 90% of the time and there are 11 guys on the field, you're screwing up something on pretty much every play. Utah has found a way to get rid of those mistakes. They don't give up big plays. They don't necessarily like pick up too many big plays considering how good they are. Uh, They have a good offense. But for... A sixth-ranked Pac-12 team, sixth in the country, you would expect quite a bit better. Um, it's just this defense, and you know we can run through the numbers really quick just so that we're all on the same page. There, uh, they've played six home games. They've given up 36 points. Um, 
six points a game is the math. Uh, so that's pretty good. Uh, you look back at the last few at home, and they haven't given up a touchdown in, what is it, 15 quarters? It's it, it's just tough. Um, you look at what the quarterback does in Tyler Huntley. Actually, here, let's compare him to Steven Montez. Uh, so, Steven Montez has 15 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Huntley has 14 touchdowns, 2 interceptions. So, there you go. Uh, a little better. Uh, Steven Montez has 2,651 yards. Tyler Huntley has 2,608 yards. So, Montez has him by 43 yards, but Tyler Huntley's taken 232 pass attempts. Montez has taken 379 Completions are pretty uh, like proportionate to the rest of the stats. But that's just crazy. That's efficiency. That's what this offense is good at. Um, they just take what's there every single time and don't make too many mistakes. Um, also worth noting that Tyler Huntley, the quarterback, the senior quarterback, uh, he's, he's a dual threat guy. He can... Uh, do a lot more than just pass. But recently, he's pretty much just been throwing the football. Uh, he hasn't had, like, double-digit rushing yards in five games, I think. Uh, yeah, since the Arizona State game, four for 32. And it's kind of a mess because uh, in college football, the sacks are combined with uh, the rushing attempts for quarterbacks. And so... Like 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 last or two weeks ago, four attempts for negative fourteen yards. That could be four sacks that are pretty short, or it could be one run and three sacks, and the run picked it up. I mean, he did have a touchdown in there. So, but but yeah, you you look through these numbers recently, and he's just been throwing the football. They haven't asked him to use his legs nearly as much. Uh, let's just go through the season so you can kind of see the pro- pro- progression. Thirty nine yards, thirty eight yards, twenty two yards. 60 yards, 31 yards, 7 yards, 32 yards, 0, 6, negative 14, 7. They've really slowed down uh, his running recently. And part of it's because teams are playing the threat. You you go back and watch the tape and you see spies. You see all that kind of stuff keeping him in the pocket. But, uh, you know, part of it is just their ability to do so many other things. Uh, you, you you can trust Zach Moss, who I think might be the best running back in the conference. I think if you want to make that case, I wouldn't argue with you. There are some good ones. Um, there are definitely some good ones, but you look at what Zach Moss has done recently. Uh, really, he's just filled in those extra yards that they aren't getting from uh, Huntley anymore in the ground game. Uh, early in the season, not as much, 187, 80, 106, 20, 121, 99. But then recently, he's on a four-game 100-yard streak, 115, 100, 127, then 203 last week against Arizona. And, you know, that's that's what this team does. They run the football. They pound the rock. They don't turn the ball over. And they put the defense in good situations. Um, the defense has given up double-digit points once in the last six games, uh, all wins. They're they're just so good. They're so good, uh, especially at home. Uh, at home this year, they gave up 17 to Northern Illinois, and that's the game that scared people. That's also the game where Zach Moss really struggled to get going, and he kind of scared people. Uh, it was coming off the big win off over BYU, but when you saw them play Northern Illinois – and you saw them kind of play that ugly style of defensive football. Things weren't really clicking totally defensively. Like, again, you, you held them to 17 points. That's not a bad showing. But it wasn't what we thought Utah was. And it's definitely not what Utah needed to be to ride a de- defense all the way through to the college football playoff. You watch that game. You see them with the mistakes. But then they cleaned it up. So remember, 17 points in the first home game. Then they gave up zero to Idaho State. They gave up three to Arizona State. They gave up zero to Cal. Then they gave up three to UCLA. That's it. That's all of it. Zero, three, zero, three. 
I definitely did some math wrong when I said six games is five games. But uh, isn't that just insane? They've given up six points at, in their last four home games. That's how good this defense is. It's going to be tough for, I mean, any offense to go up against them, but especially this Buffs offense that has struggled. And it's kind of weird to go through and give a report card grade. And I'm not sure if I've talked about this. I was talking about with Brian Howell. I think I did note this. But when you're, when you're grading this offense, they're kind of just doing their job. And I think what gives me some bit of hope is that Colorado hung tight with USC. And, you know, USC is the one team that beat Utah this year, 30-23. to 23. But that's not really what I'm going with this. Colorado hung with USC playing USC style of football. USC is that like quasi air raid. They still, they aren't like a true air raid, but it's a lot of just the passing spread, that type of stuff. And Colorado did the same thing and they pretty much beat them at it. They, they beat them at it for most of the game up until those final few minutes. So there's like throwing the ball around, matching USC strength on strength. But over the last couple of months, things have shifted for Colorado they aren't nearly as pass-heavy of an offense. They want to run the ball more. They want to establish the ground game. And then they want to build off of that, which I really like. And I think it's going to serve them well. Now they're going up against Utah, playing a similar strength-on-strength strength type of game where both teams offensively want to run the ball. Both teams defensively just don't want to make mistakes. You don't want to give them cheap points. You want to force them to work their way down the field. That creates more opportunities for mistakes, more opportunities for third down stops. It's just about turning the 20-yard gains into 10-yard gains, making good tackles, not letting the not letting yourself get beat by your mistakes. Utah is much better than Colorado is. That that's something you can just straight say straight up. You know, Colorado's been up and down all season. You've seen, you know, against USC, a really competitive football team. And then UCLA, you're like, well, what? Um, but even at you at Colorado's peak, they aren't Utah. Um, if Colorado plays its best football, Utah plays pretty average football, Colorado's going to need a few breaks to go their way. Um, Utah could just come out totally flat. They could think they have it locked up. Um, now that Oregon's lost, I think... Even though that game against them in the Pac-12 title game was going to be pretty much deciding whether Utah goes to the college football playoff either way, whether Oregon's still right up there ahead of them or not, uh, I, I think that having Oregon take that loss could cause Utah to sit back a little bit. You know, that was a pretty big win for Utah. Now they're they're not like the the little brother kind of nipping at the heels of Big Brother Oregon. Now it's Utah up there. Utah is the one Pac-12 team in the top 10. Will they use that as fuel? Will they come out ready to win two more games to take that spot in the college football playoff? Or do they kind of sit back thinking it's already on the way? We're going to find out tomorrow. I'm really excited. I'm really excited for that game. Um, Let's talk about Breckenridge Brewery. So yesterday uh, was Thanksgiving. And I was up in Montana for like a 30-hour trip to see my family and do all the Thanksgiving things. And I brought uh, Vanilla Porter Jr. with me, uh, which is a very good beer. Uh, it's kind of milkshakey. I thought it went very well with Thanksgiving dinner. Um, I'm not one to necessarily know which beers paste well or not paste well, uh, pair well with uh, other things. But to me, it was fun. And I think the best part of it was that I accidentally spilled the beer. Actually, it was a little bit shaken up all over. Uh, well, first first all over the tablecloth. And then I realized, oh, this looks like a nice tablecloth. This isn't the type of tablecloth that I would buy. Um, and so I like quickly held it over my plate. So it kind of like overflowed onto my plate. And everybody said, you know, you should just get another plate of food. Like we have plenty. Um, but I wanted to try it just to see what happened because it kind of reminded me of gravy, the vanilla Porter Jr. kind of brownish um, gravy, also brownish. And it just went all over everything and I tried it and it was actually pretty good. So if you are looking for like, like if you're eating Thanksgiving leftovers and uh, you ran out of gravy, I, that, isn't that the worst part? Like everybody talks about how great Thanksgiving leftovers are, but you don't run out of everything at the same time. 
Like all of a sudden it's just like mashed potatoes and stuffing and you're like, eh, this will still be really good if I throw it in the microwave and like mix it together. And I, I also like to mix all the Thanksgiving foods together, together for leftovers. I think that that makes them a lot better. They're all, this all complement each other. But, but if you wind up with just those two and you're missing whatever the turkey or whatever else, that's just not the same. And I think that that's why Thanksgiving leftovers are a little bit overrated just because you don't have the right balance eventually. Or if you like plan ahead and you're like, I have five plates of food, let's get these set up now. So I don't take too much of one thing early and not have enough later. Um, still like super good. Like the actual like food that you get Thanksgiving leftovers is very good, but maybe overrated because of the effort it takes, the stress it causes when you run out of one sort of Thanksgiving food. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, Breckenridge. Breckenridge beers, the vanilla Porter Jr. Eventually, it gets poured all over everything, kind of like gravy. And Oh, I explained that part. Oh, I was saying, if you ran out of gravy, if that's what disappeared first, you just have a plate of food, pour some of that vanilla Porter Jr. all over everything and just give it a run. I think I think it's pretty good. Um, also want to tell you about Total Beverage. Uh, Total Beverage is basically the best. Uh, you can get 30% off with the code DNVR2019. And they just have so many options. They have all sorts of liquor. Uh, it's c- kind of like a candy store, to be honest. It's kind of been weird, you know, becoming an adult where when you're younger, it's like, I want to go to Disney World. I think that's like the coolest place on earth. But then all of a sudden, Vegas turns into Disney World. And I don't know. I've just kind of seen like my life goals shift where it's like no longer huh, if, if all this pans out right, I could go take like a weekend to Disneyland or something. It's like, I could just head out to Vegas. Um, weird tangent, but I think they're very relatable. Everything's just like super sized there. It's like an adventure, but also like for adults for sure. Um, in the same way, a liquor store, a very good liquor store is similar to what a candy store used to be. So you look through like, it's just incredible. You know, like vodka, all the different flavors of vodka. There's just like, boom, boom, boom. So many different options. Um, I don't know. I just always find something in there that I don't even know exists. And I get really excited about it. Uh, They have so many options because this is a massive place. The prices are incredible. Like I said, you can get another 30% off with the code DNVR2019. And uh, it's a great place to pick up some Breck Brews as well. They have pretty much everything there. Um, I still want to try that Mango Mosaic might be out of season because it's winter now uh oh my goodness is the weather here terrible just snow and slush and i think colorado might be the same way but i think it should be close to being back to being like kind of fallish weather in colorado by my count like that big blizzard within like five days should be gone um kind of excited to get home but also excited for this football game tomorrow which is going to be a blast uh as I said in the first segment of the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing, I am in Salt Lake City. I am getting ready to hit that game tomorrow. I'm trying to figure out what my game day plan is. Doesn't seem like a huge tailgate community. Uh, I'm sure that there's something maybe that's like old judgmental of me, but I don't know. Definitely need to go check that out. It's 5.30 kickoff. I think actually like a 5.44 kickoff. But they tell you 5.30, so you'll watch whatever last-minute pregame they have set up for you. Uh, I, I really hate that. I really respect how baseball ball will just say, like, this is a 6.07 start. Uh, if we want to catch all things, we think, like, 6 o'clock is when we're going to start doing the things you really got to see. We'll introduce the players, do the anthem, all that kind of stuff. But uh, they say, first pitch, 6.07. Um, tomorrow... 5.30, but kickoff is actually scheduled for 5.44. Uh, yeah, it's going to be cool to explore. Uh, hopefully see some of you guys. If you guys listen to this, you know, I'm not flying out till Sunday morning at like 7. Maybe there's a spot we can hit somewhere around here tomorrow night after the game. Celebrate a Buffs win. Or also, uh, you know, not if that's not what happens. Um, before we get any further, though, I do want to make my prediction. Um Colorado scores six points, a pair of field goals, and Utah scores uh, 38. 
Okay, uh, that's a prediction. We're going to move on. Let that settle for a second. I, I, it really hurts to say. It really does. But this Colorado team just doesn't have the talent. And there's there's so many reasons to be excited for the future. They just pulled in another athlete uh, from Inglewood, California. Forget his name. But this recruiting class just keeps getting better. Uh, there's going to be some attrition. Uh, it's, it's always really hard to follow uh, how many scholarships Colorado has. And like when does Mikhail Onu count for and like all these different things because like they get here in the summer they get here in the spring and they all get like some of them you have options to count one year or the other uh even talking to like the recruiting guys like Adam and Brian or not Brian uh Chase and uh Justin everybody who really closely follows recruiting they uh they even say like like they'll just pause and try to think through all the different options it's it's really confusing stuff it's really confusing stuff. It's it's almost like the salary cap in the NBA where there are just so many exceptions and so many different things you can do. And the summer when LeBron was a free agent and I was convinced that since he's friends with Josh Kroenke who was coming to Denver, I spent a full week just building spreadsheets based on uh, how the cap works to see how we could figure out how to bring uh, LeBron to Denver. Turns out, total waste of time. But... It was kind of interesting to see how all that worked, and that's how scholarships are. But at this point, the where I'm going with this is that they're just up against up against it. Like there just isn't any way that they can finagle this. Um, there's also like the class limit of I think is that 25, and the totals 85. You know, it, it, there's all these crazy numbers, but uh, they're get, they're getting full. Which means there's going to have to be some attrition, and once the off season hits, uh, the the real off season, then we'll start to dig into how this could all shake out. Where are there are the extra scholarships? You know, at running back, it's going to be tight. Uh, you're bringing in a shot, Clayton. You're bringing in that uh, jail strike, jail strike. No, uh, jail. I couldn't remember his name last time. But Jail Stacks, that's what it is. Jail Stacks. Um, I was thinking Jalen Stryker. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's two more coming in. Ashad should be the guy. Jail Stacks, you see how he fits. Um, but then you also have uh, Alex Fontenot, who's played very well. And, in my opinion, is going to be like like a name to know going forward in the Pac-12. I think the way that, you know, Eno Benjamin, Zach Moss... Uh, all these guys from all over the conference, I think you start to put Alex Fontenot in that conversation, especially especially if he does something notable against this Utah defense, which I think is on the table. I think that um, I've doubted him throughout the season um, pretty consistently. Like I've kind of set a bar, and I've held that bar until he's proven he can beat it. And... You know, you go all the way back to the beginning of the season. We're saying like, okay, by committee, any one of these guys could take it. Jaron Mangum seems like the guy who's going to take it going forward. He goes out in that CSU game and uh, just wrecks the Rams. But at the same time, part of what he was doing was bouncing off of tacklers. Like there are a lot of missed tackles. You don't really know. You know, there isn't really a book on the CSU defense yet. Um, So you don't know whether it's, Alex Fontenot forcing missed tackles or CSU just not finishing plays because CSU is a uh, group of five school, not the most talented team Colorado is going to face. I said, it's probably bad tackling. Alex Fontenot had a great game. He probably isn't going to look like that the rest of the season. And uh, then he kept it going. He looked good against Nebraska. He looked good, you know, across the board against all these teams that Colorado's played. And he's just kind of, grown throughout the season in a way that I wasn't too sure he would. Um, maybe this is wrong because I haven't spent too much time watching college football. I, I was always more of like a pro sports guy, NFL, NBA, not NCAA, uh, especially since the video games left. I think that that was a big transition for me. It just, you know, there wasn't much of a reason to know anything. Like I wasn't constantly shoving names and numbers and stats down my brain anymore and so I just kind of like faded out uh at the same time like obviously being in Montana you have the Grizzlies and that's like a huge cultural thing but that's FCS you're spending most of your time following FCS football and 
uh, there's no pro sports either. So you just, you know, my family was Broncos fans and Nuggets fans. So we just clung to Denver sports and didn't really follow the college football stuff. Also, the college teams in Colorado didn't give us much to cheer for in my lifetime. But uh, yeah, uh, the point is, I don't know if this is right or wrong, but it seemed like one of those things where, you know, running backs isn't a position where you necessarily get a lot better throughout your time in college. I think that there can be a jump from like freshman to sophomore year. Um, you add the weight, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and, and, you know, you do continue to improve, but not in the same way that, you know, uh, a left guard might improve because the guard is lifting weights and eating a bunch of calories and getting bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. And it just takes a while to turn into a 290 pounder when you come in at 230, 240, you know, uh, that takes more time. And then building that strength and figuring out how to use it, uh, it's different than, you know, Alex Fontenot's fast. <laughs> um, and there's like vision to develop and he can definitely get faster and stronger and he's gotten bigger, but the the changes aren't as significant. Uh, quarterback, obviously, it's so much mental, uh, so much technique when you're a defensive back. All these positions have a lot of things that really need to need time to be refined. Whereas at running back, my thought was always, are you big enough? Are you fast enough? And can you find a hole? They can all develop, but not as markedly as I think other positions have. And so I kind of thought that this Alex Fontenot was close to done improving. Um, Still room to grow, of course, but we kind of knew what we had here. At this point, I don't know what his limit is. He seems like the kind of guy who can kick it up even another notch from here, um, become even more maybe become dominant i think he could become dominant in the pac-12 um what a game this would be for utah it does seem like uh, after that csu game he did take a little step back he didn't quite look like the monster he was against the rams and he took a little step back in those next couple weeks but has built upon that uh throughout this season and just keeps passing the eye test by more and more if he could do something against utah i think that we could say yeah this guy's for real um i'm excited about that i'm excited to see what he can do uh back to the point you have Fontenot, you have mangum uh you have the two new guys coming in and you also have Jarek broussard and joe davis and uh Deion smith um is that it that might be it but again that might be too many scholarships for running backs. So there's a spot where you could see uh, some attrition. Um, there are spots like that across the roster where there are just too many bodies right now. And to be honest, there isn't quite enough talent for all of these players. These aren't all Mel Tucker guys. They're guys who were the bottom of Mac recruiting classes, not Mel Tucker recruiting classes. And as tough as that is to say... It's just the truth of where this program is right now. And uh, as exciting as it is to talk about bringing up the ceiling of the program, uh, seeing the ceiling improve from, you know, this is, they they have a bunch of uh, new talent in Alfano, in Ashad Clayton, um, in some of these receivers, Brendan Rice, uh, even the quarterback, Brendan Lewis. Uh, all of these high ceiling guys, for guys you say, these could be some of the big big names in the Pac-12, and that's what we've really focused on, is all of these exciting pieces, all these flashy pieces coming in at the top of the class. It's a pretty deep class, too. Uh, and, and bringing up that ceiling, being more consistent throughout the roster as injuries hit, um, making your backups at every position just a little bit better three years down the road. Um, your third strings, who are rotating in when the starter get, gets hurt, they're getting a little bit better. And and that is just as important as having guys who can break the game like Alfano or Ashad Clayton. Um, part of that means that some guys have to leave before they feel like their time has come. Uh, so yeah, uh, there's that on the way. The attrition is on the way. It's important. We'll talk more about who in particular we could see getting um, left out 
of this 2020 squad uh, during the offseason. Yeah, I think that now would be a good time to talk about Strava Craft Coffee. Uh, Here's a weird thing I was doing. Uh, On the plane from Montana down here to Utah, I was listening to my own podcast, and I was really self-conscious about it. Like the people sitting next to me, I was thinking like, oh, please, uh, a person sitting next to me, I should be clear. This is like a four-seat wide plane, 13 rows from Montana down to Salt Lake City. Uh, shaky, very shaky. Uh, it's like the there's no middle seat. Uh, this is the point. My God, was that tough to sit through. But uh, yeah, I was listening to my podcast, and I was thinking like, oh, I hope they don't hear my own voice in like coming on my ears. I was trying to like keep the AirPods a little bit quiet uh, so that that wouldn't happen. But the point was I wanted to like listen to some of the shows that I thought were really good and listen to pieces of some of the shows that I thought were pretty bad just to feel out what the difference was. And uh, one of the things I noticed, though, that wasn't about what my strengths and weaknesses are was that I really, really sell Strava Craft coffee hard. Like when you listen to it, it's like, um, I don't know, I, like I think it's just like magic. Uh and I kind of knew that I did that, but at the same time, just like throwing out, oh, maybe it'll cure your depression too as I leave. Um, so yeah, I want to talk about Strava Craft Coffee and say that basically all those things I've said, somebody has written it in one of their reviews. Somebody said like, oh, my depression's better. My anxiety's better. My uh, IBS is better. My back pain. Uh, it helped me soothe myself out after surgery. Like there's all these different reviews. Plus it's a coffee. Uh, it's a very good coffee. And... Uh, I was disappointed not to be in the office when we were drinking the Strava Craft on Wednesday, on the Draft Pod day, uh, because I still really want to try it, and I'm going to work on doing that. The same way I'm going to work on trying out Drift Car Sharing. Boy, am I irresponsible. But, uh, yeah, the reviews really are incredible. You should check them out. CBD does wonders for you. And the, the best part is it does something different for everybody. It's kind of like you're just like... There's like a deck of cards and on each card is written like your IBS is gone or your anxiety is cut in half or your a third is likely to have a panic attack because just for everybody, everybody has something different happen. And so it's just like Strava Craft is that deck of cards and you just get to pull one out and all of a sudden one of your problems goes away. Uh some people are lucky enough that it works on a couple problems. Uh, so definitely, definitely check them out. They're a great company and they support us. And so we like to support them. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, today is Friday. The next time we speak, well, I guess I just realized it'll be tomorrow night during the post-game podcast, which uh, you guys should be excited for. I know I'm excited about it. Um, but... Before we actually get like a real podcast in and get to talk about all the things that happened over the weekend on Monday, uh, your Colorado Buffaloes are going to play another basketball game. They take on Sacramento State Saturday night at 7 o'clock at uh, the Can. No, 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 no. The Can's Pepsi Center. The Keg, which is in Boulder where they play. The CU Events Center is the real word. Uh, Silver Buff explained to me why it's the keg. Uh, there's something about the tuba, which is too bad. It sounds like they're, the tuba is canceled or something. You guys probably know better than I do. Uh, that's something I heard. Uh, Sacramento State is playing at Colorado, like I said, 7 o'clock. It'll be right after this football game ends, probably. They might run together, actually. But uh, I wanted to talk about this basketball team. And there is a lot to talk about, as always. First of all, Sacramento State, that's a Big Sky team. Uh, I've watched them play a whole bunch because I covered Montana, another Big Sky team. Got to go out to the tournament, watch all their games, talk to a bunch of people. I went to every press conference when I covered the uh, Big Sky tournament. It was just like getting my reps in as a young sports journalist. And so you have to think, like, uh, what was that? There's... 11 games per tournament and I went to the men's and the women's so there's 22 games and each game has a winner and a loser so there's 44 press conferences it was crazy um so yeah I spent some time with them they all kind of ran together point is though 
Uh, Sacramento State should not be on the same basketball as Colorado, and if this game is close, it, it's time to get a little bit worried. Not like super worried. I don't even know if I should call it worried. Like it's time to just like really pay attention to this coming out flat thing. I know there is the whole road tad thing, uh, like hashtag road tad, because these Colorado Buffaloes haven't traveled well while Tad Boyle's been the coach. They've lost a bunch of basketball games. First of all, a lot of basketball teams lose games on the road, particularly in college, just like in, in football. And uh, I don't know. It's it's just weird to me that a coach would have that effect. I don't know what exactly that would come from. Um, like, you know, he has been bound the road. Like, you can't dispute that. But is there something that happens in practice that is different or I don't know like when he travels is he trying to get out there two days early and that's just throwing off everybody's rhythm maybe they go later maybe he's getting out there too late but that seems like the obvious problem and to fix it you would go out there early so maybe he's overthinking it um I don't know I don't know what coaching decisions uh have like the negative externality of oh yeah and also that's going to make your team not play well on the road like does he just not does he not travel well does he like not sleep well in hotel beds and he just gets up a little bit grouchy and maybe that has an effect I don't know like but something like that would honestly make more sense it's weird to me that a coach would be the reason that this keeps happening um but sure I don't know throwing that out there you guys can think about that if you want Um, if you guys have any thoughts about why I would love to hear why, like maybe there are already theories going around. Um, but yeah, Colorado, the slow start was concerning in their last game out against, uh, let's see. Oh no, that wasn't the last game. It was concerning Wyoming. It was concerning. Well, I guess they're kind of slow, maybe not right at the initial, uh, start against Clemson, but they were trailing at halftime. They they were like fighting their way back for a lot of that game. Um, if they honestly, if if Sacramento State's within like three or four points at halftime, then it's time to start thinking like, oh no, is this going to be one of the storylines about this Colorado Buffs basketball team in their 2019-2020 season? Are they just a team that it comes out slow half the time? It doesn't always start hot the way that you think that a team that with this sort of firepower should. You know, somebody on that roster should be able to get a bucket on the first possession. They should be able to come out shooting. They should be defending well enough that they aren't giving up early runs. Actually, now that I think of it, that good defense could take a couple possessions to lock in. That's probably where I'd look, honestly, if this does turn out to be a theme, if they do struggle Saturday night. Um... I would guess that it is because of the defense. And obviously that isn't what happened against Wyoming. It was 15-15 at half. But uh, defense, I don't know. Offense, offense, you're moving the ball. So, so many good things happen when everybody's running. You know, everybody's constantly moving. It's confusing the defense. All, all of a sudden they make a mistake. You have an open bucket. Um Offense, you're driving on somebody. You're trying to make a play. You're pulling up moves. You're doing all these kinds of very active um, kind of... Uh, you're dictating the situation in a lot of ways. Um, and you're doing a lot of what you typically do. You're doing things that you're used to doing. Um, again, shots might not fall, whatever. But if, if your offense is struggling early, it seems like a lot of that's probably effort. Um, you're not moving the ball. You're not moving yourself those sorts of things defensively especially for a good defensive team you have to feel out your opponent you know and again this team's experience they played a lot of these guys before but you're you're not going up against the guys you're going up against in practice you aren't dictating the situation you're kind of responding to what the other team throws at you and you can watch it on film but that's different than being out there and seeing what it looks like when somebody's coming right at you like what does the crossover actually feel like in person what does he actually lead into it with you know you can see the foot flare or something on tape and be watching for that but actually seeing it in person in front of you is different and so that's really where i would look if they come out a little bit slow again that's particularly on the defensive end is um or i guess in general if they are facing a deficit it's probably because that defense is underperforming um again could just be a fluke 
could just be a little fluke thing that happened for a couple games and now all of a sudden it's better. Um, hopefully that's what it is. But that's the, the biggest thing that I am watching for in that game is can they come out against an inferior opponent and just dominate end to end? Turn this into what's what's the line at? Uh, it's a 19-point line. Turn this into a 25-point win. Go up by 12 at half, you know, winning consistently throughout, just building that deficit consistently, consistently throughout that game. Um, that's what I want to see them be able to do. Uh, so that's the number one thing. Also, the free throws. All of a sudden, they got really good at shooting free throws at Clemson. They needed it. They really needed it, uh, but they shot 24 of 25 from the line after shooting 9 of 20 in the game before against Wyoming. They're consistently in like right around 70 was the mark, maybe a little below, but uh, that was a step in the right direction. Again, small sample size, and basketball is a big sample size sport. It's about what you do, and like in the NBA, over 82 games versus the NFL, 16 games. It just takes that much time to feel things out. This through slow free throw shooting start, if they if they fix it within the next two three games and just kind of ride it, everybody will forget. That won't be something that becomes a narrative around this team, um, and that's what you really have to hope for. That's what you have to work for is fixing um, that and just hoping that it's almost like an aberration. Uh, so that's another thing to really watch. And then, of course, the three-point shooting, which took a little bit of a step back um, in both of these two games against Wyoming and uh, against Clemson. You'd like to see them knock down the open looks again. You'd like to see them consistently... like just it's It seemed like for a while there, throughout the roster, everybody was just shooting well. Like Maybe on a given night, somebody goes 0 for 2, but in general, everybody was just shooting pretty well. And... Uh, that's the recipe to be successful for a full season. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's the the final thing that I would really note. Um, and then you're a week out from Kansas, and that's where the... Well, I guess you still have to beat Loyola Marymount at home. But again, that's a game that you feel pretty good about. I uh, should note, Portland State undefeated, but they don't have a super resume. Um uh, beat Simpson, beat UC Riverside, beat UC Davis, beat Pepperdine. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, at least they didn't lose those games. Uh, This really is the big game on their schedule, so who knows? Maybe they get up for it. Uh, I think that that's probably good on the basketball talk. Um, Just need to see those rates get better and uh, see them just come out and dominate end-to-end. Something that every team needs to be able to do. Um, especially when it comes to tournament time. If you're a high seed playing a low seed, you don't want to be running Tyler Bay. You really don't want to be running McKinley Wright when you want him out there for pretty much the entire game as your point guard. Uh, You want to make that first game a little easier on him. You want to be able to go out, build a lead early, and then just ride it. Um, So there we go. Uh, Utah game tomorrow. Hopefully you guys are excited about that. Hopefully the Buffs come away with a win. It's going to be a struggle, though. Um, Buffs are playing good football. Can't ask for more than that from them. Um, we'll see what's going on. It's so crazy, though. Last game for Steven Montez, probably LaVisca Chenault. Um, Tim Lynott, Arlington Hambright, Katie Nixon, probably. Tony Brown, definitely. Um, then you look at the defense. I bet Nate sticks around, but Mikhail Onu, he's he's out. Delrick Abrams, he's out. Ah. <sighs> That's strange. It's going to be strange. All right, uh, that's it for today. Uh, I'll be back after the game to talk about what went down, what we learned, and hopefully there's some positives there. Leave some comments too, please. Bye. Oh, that reminds me. Awesome deal going on, Black Friday deal. Um, Normal subscription price now gets you uh, two items from the shop, whether you want hats, whether you want shirts, hat and a shirt, Um, also like a pack of stickers, um, they're pretty cool. You put them on water bottles, put them on your laptop, put them on, uh, put maybe a car, uh, yourself, uh, your friends, kid, animals, put them on animals, pretty much anything. Uh, they're sticky. They stick to things, whatever you want them to stick to. Um, so you get all of that for the price of a subscription and that's a great deal. So definitely do that. And also, uh, you can 
uh, get it as a gift because it comes in like a nice gift box. So it's kind of weird giving internet gifts to people, but they're physical, tangible things that go with it. So like, check that out. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for today. For real this time, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have fun watching the games. Two big games. Bye. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. Might not sway. I think they like my Colorado sway. And see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get